You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Today we're going to be wrapping up our series, as you heard, Out of the Dark, uh, where we've been you know, talking about many of the factors that contribute to depression and what we can do with God's help to address them. Now, I know for all of us, we've been affected by the pandemic, and we all remember the start of it. Uh, You know, um, I think all of our lives have been affected in many, many ways. Uh, You know, churches went online with their services. Restaurants uh, actually no longer serve diners in their dining rooms. And for a lot of people, work became remote. But for everyone, we became more and more isolated. Now, I don't know what your uh, personality is like, but for some of you, you might have really thought it was a good thing to not be around as many people as you were used to being around. If you're more introverted, that's probably you. Well, for those extroverts out there like me, you are probably going out of your mind. I I remember I, I would go to the supermarket more than I needed to just to be around people, all right? Virginia, my wife, she would ask me, why are you at the store five times this week? And I was on a first name basis with the guy who collected the grocery carts. That's how bad it was for me. And I, and I also, also almost remember forgetting the time as I was wandering the aisles, uh, almost forgetting to pick up my teens after their sporting events. It was bad. Well, uh, you know, essential and non-essential are words that uh, were used um, by scientists and politicians to limit the interactions that we'd have with others. I, I don't know why the local wine and spirits store was considered essential, but that, that's another story. So uh, scientists and politicians also used the phrase social distancing, and it was a way for them to uh, encourage us to physically distance ourselves from others so that we would prevent the spread of the disease. And I appreciate that as it relates to the spread but I think scientists could have encouraged us to have a lot more social connection. I, I, they, they may have uh, done a better job conveying uh, that idea of social uh, connection. And truthfully, we needed social connection more than ever during that time. And guess what? We still need it today. Do you know 40% of Americans say that they are close to no one? Four out of 10 say that they are close to no one. We are connected in our day as human beings like no other time in history uh, through all kinds of digital platforms, but those connections are far from social. Recently, Facebook whistleblower, I don't know if you've uh, read this in the news, Frances Hogan, she uh, copied a bunch of documents, printed a bunch of documents, left Facebook, and revealed some of the research that Facebook has been keeping uh, secret from the public. And uh, what she found was that teens blame Instagram for an increase in the rate of anxiety and depression. How about that? But it goes far beyond that. Harvard researcher Robert Putnam in his book Bowling Alone said that people who are relationally isolated are more likely to experience colds, heart attacks, strokes, cancer, depression, and premature death 
of all sorts, and over a dozen studies show that people who are socially disconnected are between two and five times more likely to die from all causes compared with matched, matched individuals who have close ties. Research is showing that the lack of relationships contributes to the lack of mental and emotional health. And today I want to talk to you about how the lack of relationships contributes to our emotional and mental health. You know, maybe for you, you spend time on social media, and all this time makes you feel worse about yourself. Maybe when you work a 12-hour day, you come home and realize that you don't have time for friends. Maybe you're around a lot of people during the day, at school or on your sports teams or in your clubs, but you realize that those relationships are at the surface level. Maybe you're a single parent and you don't have many others in your life who you can have an adult conversation with, let alone somebody to be real with. Uh, wherever you're at, whatever darkness, despair, or depression you're in, there's hope. And I'm here today to tell you that God has hope for you. You know, a lot of people think that our first problem as human beings was sin. It, it wasn't sin. It was Loneliness, it was solitude. Our first problem as a human race was solitude. In Genesis 2.18, it says God made, uh, in Genesis 2.18, God made his beautiful creation, and then he said it's not good for the man to be alone. Being isolated isn't good. Now, throughout this series, we've been doing a case study on Elijah, right? Um, and just to, just to summarize what's been happening with Elijah, for those who are joining us for the first time today, uh, Elijah, um, Israel was ruled by a wicked uh, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Elijah had a showdown with 850 false prophets, and he pulled out a victory. And, in, and shortly after that victory, Queen Jezebel heard about what had happened, and she threatened him with death. Uh, he, he went into depression, and he fled the country. That's the summary of what, what's happening uh, with Elijah. And we pick it up today in verse 3 of chapter 19 in 1 Kings, where it says, Elijah was afraid, after he got the threat from Queen Jezebel, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And I want you to notice that. He left his servant there, because we're going to focus on that today as we, as we go through this message. Uh, you know, maybe Elijah ran away and hid because he was overwhelmed with feelings of fear, uncertainty, doubt, or despair. But for whatever, for whatever reason, Elijah decided it was best to deal with his problems alone. He may have thought that he needed more time alone, but what he experienced was isolation. He needed a friend in that moment. Someone who knew him well and could keep Elijah from himself. Instead, he fled into the desert, then he went to the cave, and there he was in the cave, alone with the panicked voices in his head. He had no one to remind him of the truth of God's word, no one to love him and care for him. He had no support. So Elijah, he retreated to the loneliness of the desert, the darkness of the cave, and hid himself from reality. Friends, when we're feeling lonely or isolated, we are at greater risk of withdrawing even more. And for some of you, if you're going through a difficult time, you need to do the opposite. You need people that can pray for you. You need people you can trust that you can share with. You need people that you can turn to. So today we're going to lean into some biblical principles that can help us stay out of the 
cave of depression and despair, and if we are already in it, to move out of the cave of depression and isolation, okay? So we, uh, we're going to look at, right now, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 to 12. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And now King Solomon, who's credited with uh, writing this book of the Bible, he contrasts the strength of people living in relationship with the fragility and vulnerability of people living in isolation. There is going to be a day when you're going to fall down and you need somebody to help you back up. When the phone call comes with the bad news, when the financial risk you took doesn't work out, when the news from the doctor comes, when that family member no longer wants to talk to you and the list could go on and on. God's plan is for nobody to be alone and everybody to be known and loved and cared for and cherished. And his plan for that is called the church. There's never been anything like the church. In Acts chapter 2, as some of you know, it's this classic passage where people, where God describes people in this new community. It's a historical account of what happened. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. teachings. They got real and they took off masks. They ate together and prayed together and they shared with each other in extraordinarily generous ways. They met in the temple courts for worship. They met in homes to break bread together. God hates aloneness. God loves family. God loves inclusion. We are to pray to our God, our Father, and what that means is that you have millions of brothers and sisters all around the world. And just so you know, for all the ways that all of us humanly mess up this church thing, it actually works quite well. Uh, Robert Putnam in his book, Bowling Alone, shares this graph that shows the correlation between church attendance, and happiness. Uh, You can see it on the screen behind me. People who don't attend church at all are the most unhappy people that are part of churches in America. People that attend church 20 times a year are moderately happy, and the most happy people that are part of churches in America are those that attend every week. So here's Pastor Dave's prescription for you how to be happier. Attend church services more, amen? This is real research. This is, this is actually real research. There's something about coming to church that leads to greater joy. Go figure. But it's not just that. Sometimes people come to church for a long time, and even though they are around all these people, no one really knows them. This could be you. Maybe you've been watching online, and nobody knows who you are. So if you really want to experience the power of community, don't only attend worship or watch online, get into a smaller group where you can experience mutual knowing and serving and caring. Looking at the research again from Putnam in his book Bowling Alone, he says the bottom line from this multitude of studies as a rough rule of thumb, if you belong to no groups but decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying in the next year in half. In half. That's why the informal motto of our life group ministry is join a life group or die.
That's why we call them life groups. They actually keep you alive, literally. And the Bible has this theme that goes throughout the entire, all of the books that are there about relationships. And it makes a case as to why we need each other. It makes a case for us to live our lives as we over me. The collective we over the self-centered me. So we're gonna look at five principles today for how prioritizing the we over the me can help us to stay out of the cave, and if you're in the cave of depression and isolation, to move out of it. Five principles today. So number one, first you need people to care for you. You know, I'll never forget when I pastored in Albany, I pastored a church in Albany, uh, there was a family that had, uh, where the husband, uh, father, had unexpectedly died. And so I was heading, I, I headed over there that evening to, to support the family, to pray with the family, and when I arrived, I realized that practically all of the life group members were there already. Uh, the line, there was a, a, a huge line of, of cars in front of their house, and as I walked in, they welcomed me, and I realized that they had come over, the life group had come over, they had made dinner for this family, they, had just, they were just in the process of cleaning up, and uh, they were there. They were just there to support this family in the midst of the crisis that they were facing. They had others in their lives that were caring for them. And you know what I realized as I entered into their home? I realized that this is what Jesus means when he tells us as a community to mourn with those who mourn. That's what he means. And you know, I left there so fulfilled because people were caring for others in crisis. And as I think about that experience, you know, it helped me to understand that there were, if we're really going to take care of all of us, all of us have to be involved in taking care of all of us. Did you know that there are 77 one another passages in the New Testament where God tells us as his people how to care for one another, to love one another, to encourage one another, to confess our sins to one another, to pray for one another? One of the best ways to experience care and to take care of others is to get plugged into a life group or a dream team, even better, both. So second, you need to have people that are going to encourage you. You need someone to care for you, not just when you receive the bad news, but when you have the blues, okay? When you aren't doing so well, you just need a little bit of encouragement. You need someone in your life that says, come on, you can do this, you can get through this. Someone who can talk to you who will restore your hope and your faith in life to help you see what you don't see, to help you remind you of the truths of God's word. And you know, some of you might be saying, you know what, I go to the Lord for my encouragement. You might be thinking, you know, it's just God and me when I have the blues. Well, let me tell you something. God saves you alone, but he doesn't leave you alone. He, sa he saves you alone, but he doesn't leave you alone, and he has designed you not to live the Christian life alone. The word encouragement literally means to lift your spirits. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, so that life doesn't get the best of us. When we face tough circumstances, we tend to lose faith, to want to give up hope, we feel fragile, but the right conversation, the right word of encouragement, 
The right person can change our direction. When I'm facing a challenging time and when I'm discouraged, you know, for me personally, there are people in my life who I can call on the phone. And after just a few minutes, I feel my spirit lightened. They restore to me the hope that I had before. I feel more joyful. I feel more hopeful. They put courage into me. Ted Lasso is a series that came out on Apple TV last year and and recently won an Emmy. And uh, some of you might know the story, but uh, Ted Lasso is an American college football coach who's hired to coach a European soccer team, and he's hired uh, by this owner who actually does this out of spite for her ex-husband. But Ted Lasso, with his folksy, optimistic demeanor, and who values and loves people over, more over, than overwinning, He's able to encourage his team in a way that, that causes that team to be the type of team that nobody ever thought they could be. Who encourages you on a regular basis? Who do you routinely encourage? You know, we can't magically make depression disappear, but we can open up our lives to others who can encourage us and, and, and be, who can be present with us in the darkness. And as you get into life groups or join a dream team or start showing up at church services on a more regular basis, I want to encourage you, exchange phone numbers with those people that you're getting to know. Exchange numbers with people in your group. Um, Exchange numbers with people on your dream team. Regularly check in on one another. Ask people, how are you doing? How is it going this week? Well, you you might say, I'm having the worst week of, of my life. But it's not the worst week now because you've got a friend who you're talking to to keep you going and to move out of your blues. Third, you need people to partner with you. You need people who not only care for you and encourage you, but to also link arms with you and do something that matters. If you want to overcome loneliness and isolation, you need people who will partner with you. That happened with Elijah and Elisha. God refocuses Elijah while talking to him in the cave in 1 Kings. He says he needs to go out and do a couple things. And one of those things is that he sends him out to anoint Elisha, the next prophet for Israel. In 1 Kings 19, 19 to 21 is where we see uh, Elijah actually following God's command and going and seeking out Elisha. So Elijah, in verse 19, went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And at that moment, Elijah knew what that meant. The prophet of God throwing his cloak over somebody else meant that he's now anointing you, the next prophet of Israel. So Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah. He said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Complete break with what he had done. His, his past life was no more. He was focusing on the future. There was nothing to go back to. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. We need partners in the work of God. If you look at the New Testament, Paul always had partners in the work of God. He always had other team members that were working with him to start new churches and to do evangelism all around the known world at that time. 
I, being productive is what God wants us to do, to contribute to something bigger than ourselves where we can serve God with the task that he's giving us. It's interesting to see that in the midst of Elijah's depression, in the cave, in the darkness of the cave, God gave Elijah a task to do, a way to serve him. And through that, it was restorative. It was restoring his relationship with God. It was restoring uh, who he was as a person. Um, and, and so we need partners in the work of God who will care for you and for who you can show care. You know, when I lived in France, I helped uh, with a local church organize their Alpha courses. And I don't know, some of you might know what Alpha is. Uh, the Alpha course is basically a, an opportunity for people that weren't Christians to ask their questions about Christianity. And so I met the volunteers that were part of putting this course together, and one of the volunteers in particular was unemployed. But you know what? He decided that he was going to serve and partner with the other volunteers to put on this course, to prepare the meal that was part of this, to prepare the, the, the setting, to prepare the church building. And, you know, he didn't decide to just stay in his cape. He didn't decide to just say, woe is me, or decide to spend all of his time searching uh, for a job and uh, doing other things, but he used all of his free time to serve the Lord in something that was reaching people that were yet to know who Jesus was. We need partners who are going to help us out of the cave. The father of the Methodist Church, John Wesley, the great evangelist of the 18th century and the founder of the Methodist Church, said to a woman that came to him depressed, the best thing you can do for your spirit is to get involved in a life group and start serving others. You need people to partner with you for a higher purpose than yourself. Are you hearing me this morning? You need people to partner with for a higher purpose than yourself. In Ephesians 2.10, you know, I noticed reading this verse as I was preparing for this message that something completely new that never struck me before. And uh, we'll, we'll look at it as we read it together. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, it doesn't say I. You notice that? For I am God's handiwork. God is assuming that you're in community. He's talking, Paul is talking to the, the Christians in Ephesus, and he's saying, uh, for we, as a community, are God's handiwork. Let's say that together. For we, for we, are, <laughs> are God's handiwork. And we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to repeat a part of this verse again as we get to the end here. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance and say this together, for us to do. Great. You know, I love being part of this church. And it may seem like with 300 people or so here at Redemption that our contribution doesn't mean much. But each person doing a little means a lot. It means a lot to touch people's lives. And part of getting out of your cave in isolation can be serving others. You can partner with others at Redemption in different ways. We have one opportunity coming up this November, on November 20th, Saturday, November 20th. It's our fall serve event. You can partner with others to serve people in need. It's we over me. Fourth, you need people to protect you. Not only do you need people to care for you, to encourage you, to partner with you, you need people to protect you when you're vulnerable. You can only see 
so much. You know, me standing on this stage, I can only see what's in front of me and to my sides, right? If there are worship team members that were coming out, I really wouldn't be able to see them unless I, I turned around. And I want to encourage you that you want to have somebody that can see your back spiritually. Every day, the devil is setting a snare in your path to lead you into sin and to turn you away from God. He's waiting for you to turn your back so that he can attack your blind spots. And he is most successful when you're fighting alone. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, I've asked Hunter to come up here to do an illustration for you for this, for this point. Come on up, Hunter. Um, <clears throat> and what we're going to do is we're, gonna, we're just going to stand back to back. And it's interesting, as we stand back to back, thank you, uh, as we stand back to back, I can see in front of me and to my sides, Hunter can see 180 degrees around him, I can see 180 degrees around me. We have a 360 degree view around us to see what is coming. And that is the type of idea, thank you, that's the type of idea that the writer of Ecclesiastes is telling us. We need somebody who can stand back to back with us that is going to help protect us to see the things that we don't see, to see the sin in our lives that we don't see, to see the attacks that are happening that we don't see, to see lifestyle choices that are bad for us that we don't see. So how do we do this? How do we protect one another? Uh, well, one of the ways is by asking the hard questions. Who has your back by asking the hard questions? Who's in your life asking you questions that no one else is asking you? Who doesn't let you get away with surfacey answers? Who's with you through thick and thin? Who says to you, we will get through this together? You know, in Proverbs 20, verse 5, it says, the intentions of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Who in your life is wise? that is more mature than you are in the faith, that you give the right to ask those personal questions of you. Questions like, what's going on in your thought life, your marriage, your dating relationship, are you staying pure, your business, are you being honest, are you treating people fairly, in your family or your friend circles, is there any conflict that needs to be resolved? You need that person that is going to be protecting you from you. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Do you know what this is saying? That you can't trust yourself 100% of the time. You need people that's in your life that see things that you don't to protect you from you and to keep you out of the cave and to get you out of the cave of depression and isolation. And so my hope for you, if you don't already, is that you have one or two best friends here at Redemption Community Church who have your back in these ways. If you have one or two best friends like that, you know not only that you have the types of relationships that will help you in the midst of despair and isolation, they will also protect you from falling into the devil's traps and believing your own lies. At the end of the day, are there people in your life who are going to protect you from you? Fifthly, you need people who will pray for you. You need people to care for you, to encourage you, you need people to protect you, and you need people who are going to pray for you. 
during the lockdowns, you know, we heard a lot about essential and, and, what, and what was not essential. But, you know, in Ephesians 6.18, God talks to us about what's essential. He talked about this thousands of years ago, uh, and it says in this verse, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Let me tell you something. Prayer is essential. Where do you have brothers and sisters praying for you? Can you name them? Share your prayer requests every week. I encourage you with somebody in your life. Cover one another in prayer. God assumes that you are in the types of relationships where this can be happening. So pray for one another. We need each other in this way. And even if you don't think that you need anybody, somebody needs you. Somebody needs your prayers. Somebody needs your encouragement. Somebody needs your perspective. Somebody needs your touch, your challenge, your hope. And you know what? I know this is a strange truth, but when you offer support and caring in community, you also receive it. You know, we live in the New York City metro area where there is so much affluence and so many career opportunities and so much spiritual and emotional poverty. Nobody moves to the New York City area for relationships. They move for money, they move for opportunities, uh, they move for jobs, to acquire a network, for Facebook friends, for Instagram followers, for LinkedIn contacts. There are lonely people and hurting people and scared people, and God says, come into my family. The Reverend William Glass is an Anglican priest and theologian, fluent in five languages and possessing an impressive resume in marketing. For Glass, the church saved his life, literally. Glass grew up desperately poor in a trailer park in Florida. His family went to church perhaps once a year, but his religious background was what he called Southern alcoholic. His father was either absent or abusive. He had no close friends, and when he attended school, it was torture. Barely into his teens, he began to manage all the stress with drugs and alcohol. But then Glass visited a Presbyterian youth group to impress a girl. It didn't change everything overnight as he continued to attend, but he continued to have a rough life, and he, it even included a brush with homelessness. But Glass also had friends in churches who took care of him during his crises. They helped him stay connected and showed him another way to live. As Glass sees it, church above all offered him social and relational capital uh, that, that was in short supply in the communities where he lived. He says, the bonds I formed in church meant that when things got bad, there was something else to do besides the next bad thing. We over me. Let's stand together. We over me. Look around you this morning. Look at the we around you. Amen? Isn't that great to see the people that God has placed in this community that you're a part of? This is what it's going to take for you to stay out of the cave and for you to move out of the cave. You wonder why you're struggling, why you're having such a hard time coming out of the cave? It's because nobody knows your real story. Nobody knows you. What would it be like? What would the difference be in your life if you got plugged into a life group 
If you had somebody praying for you weekly, if you had somebody partnering with you to serve others, if you had somebody looking out for you to protect you, what would that life look like? Somebody to care for you, somebody to encourage you and speaking encouragement into your life, somebody to protect you, somebody to uh, protect you, to uh, partner with you, and somebody to pray for you. It's we over me. And Lord, this morning, we are saying together that we want a we. We choose we over me. Amen? Let's pray together. God, we come before you, and we long for us to have, we long for us to have a we over me commitment. We choose we over me. And God, I pray that this morning, as we think about these five principles that are going to help us move out of the cave as it relates to relationship or stay out of the cave, I pray that this week we would just pick one thing. What's one thing, God, that you want us to do to form the types of relationships that I need to stay out of the cave of depression, depression and isolation, to move out of the cave of depression and isolation. Thanks, God, that you don't leave us alone. Thanks, God, that you put others in our life to help us in our journey and help us this week to open up our life to more people than we normally do. Because you love us, because you know what's best for us, you place others around us. But sometimes we just have a hard time. We have a hard time and we resist your, your plan, your good plan for our lives. So God, help us to also realize that you, you love us and that you've put your spirit inside of us. And Lord, as we think about some of these changes, making some of these changes in our life, we know that it's possible because you've given us the ability to do that through your spirit. And so God, I pray that you would bless everyone here as they move out of the cave of, of depression and despair and isolation, as they stay, work to stay out of the cave of isolation and depression. And it's your son, in, in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.